the epiphany uh, is, is what uh, much of the church calls the, uh, the days that we just went through this last week, the epiphany. Um, um, and the first Sunday after epiphany in the, the church calendar, in not our particular church, but the worldwide church, um, is, is a baptism Sunday or Repentance Sunday. Um, and that's today. Why is it Repentance Sunday? Well, Jesus' baptism is, is what this Sunday is about uh, in, in the world stage, you know? And, and um, so I'm thinking, what, what on earth does that have to do with where we are as a church, Lord? And he gave me a couple of things. <laughs> Uh, it's an amazing thing what happened with Jesus and his baptism. Why on earth did he have to be baptized? He was sinless. And John the Baptist, John the baptizer, wasn't a Baptist, he wasn't a charismatic, he was... (laughs) Um, John the baptizer was baptizing people uh, for repentance from sin. That's all we know about it, if we just take what's in the Word. But if you dig a little deeper and you look at some other things, we find out that John the baptizer uh, and a number of other teachers, a number of other what we would call cults, at that time, would, would baptize people. Now, by baptism, we just mean, you know, full immersion into the water, right? That's what, that's what they were doing. You, you go into the water, and it was a, um, a, a symbolic act of cleansing and preparing for what's about to transpire in your life. You are repenting from the way you've lived and moving on to a uh, what we would call a religious, more religious, more aware of God lifestyle. It, we have to remember that we look at Jesus's baptism from our perspective, i.e., from this side of the cross backward, and we think, why did Jesus have to get baptized? Was he just giving us a good example. Follow my example, people. Jump in the water and get baptized. It wasn't just that. What, what John the baptizer was doing, if you come the other way, you understand that there was no actual forgiveness of sin unless it was accompanied by a sacrifice. So, Jumping into the water with John didn't cleanse you from anything. It was a symbolic act to prepare you for your future and where you were going. So these are people that are joining John in, in calling for God to do the right thing. They wanted to have a more significant life of religious significance and not living for themselves. So people were 
the thronging <laughs> to John at, at the, the Jordan River to, to join what he was doing. There was something that was stirring in their hearts. God was doing something. They were trying to respond to it in the, in the way that they could. And they were um, um, seeking out John and they were seeking out some other teachers at that point to be baptized, to be cleansed. And it was, it was really an understanding that when God was using people, he took them through the Red Sea to get them out of their old life, right? Parted the sea with Moses, and you remember that story. And it was a reenactment of that. that they had a number of uh, washings or ablations, they call it, for different things in, in, in Judaism. But this particular thing was for repentance of sins. And more than just it, it sins, a sinful life. Living a life for yourself. To prepare you for what's coming. That's, that's why they would get baptized. And so, so Jesus walked into the water. John said, you should be baptizing me. You're, he recognized who Jesus was. And, and Jesus said, no, we got to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What we're doing here is preparing me for my future. And it makes so much sense when you think about it that way. It wasn't about Jesus being forgiven for sins or showing us that, that, that our sins would be forgiven through the baptism. It was about Jesus being prepared to move into his ministry. At his baptism, the, the, <laughs> the skies opened God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> the, the dove rested on Jesus. Like, amazing things happened. But it was the beginning of the ministry. From there, he went, of course, to the 40 days of temptation in the desert and all that stuff. But it, 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 was, it was a preparation, a putting away of the old and an on with the new. Jesus had lived 30 years in the world at that point. His ministry, he, he, was, he was washing away the old and getting on with the new. And it's, it's a beautiful picture, a, a really beautiful picture. And, and um, so, so we're celebrating that, and we're celebrating repentance today. Repentance is something that, that restores us in our relationship to God. He, he's dealt with sin, but, but we have to take hold of that. And, and repentance allows us to do that, restores us, allows us to take hold of what's been bought for us already. It's an amazing gift from him to us to repent. We, this week, have been going through a little bit of a, uh, a week of fasting and prayer to reset things we had <laughs> we had um, uh, last week we had no lights here right um, there had been a 
um, a problem somewhere in the electrical system. None of the plugs on that side worked and none of the overhead lights worked. Um, I told you the story last week. <laughs> but the, the electrician came this week and um, now we, had, we had gone down to the, the, the breaker box um, but he went to the breaker box and he reset the breaker. It took him a bit, you know. We, we clicked it back and forth, but we were amateurs. He came in as an electrician. <laughs> and he told that thing it was going to work. <laughs> there was just an understanding between the two of them. Switch and switcher. <laughs> and so with authority, he went, pop, and the lights came on. I thought that there was some magical thing up in there that, <laughs> that had taken our lights away, the, the water and all of that, because we have a number of leaks, you might have noticed. But that wasn't it. But he looked up, up top, and he saw a whole bunch of stuff that just, like his word for it was, wow. <laughs> it was not good. There's, there's open junction boxes. Ooh, shouldn't say this because somebody... <laughs> in authority might hear, oh, bare wires and, and all kinds of stuff that's up there. Um, you're not in danger, don't. <laughs> but he's going to come back and fix that. But we have lights. And there's a, there is a reset. And we've done, been doing a little bit of a spiritual reset as we've, we've taken a week to, to fast and pray and review things, and it's been significant in my life. Donna brought the idea to us, and I was grateful. Uh, and I am more grateful that today is the seventh day, and I get to eat <laughs> later. <laughs> I like eating. <laughs> so we've reset at the beginning of the year. It's a good time to do that. Repentance does that, too. Resets us gets us back on the right track. We get off track. We, we need to be reminded sometimes whose we are and who we are in the midst of that. The world around us would have us derailed regularly, <laughs> get us off, off our course. If, if the enemy isn't pushing us one way, he's pulling us the other, you know? So you, you get this resistance moving into the thing, and then boom, you're gone on the other side. There's just something always happening. Uh, let's, let's read something from the Bible. Get past me. <laughs> I, I have sort of a testimony to, to tell you later on, but um, let's, let's read Isaiah 43. Verses 1 to 7. Uh, Isaiah 43, starting in chapter 1. Now, Isaiah is speaking to a people that are in exile. They are in Babylon, Babylonia. 800 years before Jesus. But he says some wonderful things. 
Verse 1, chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If you want a scripture for this time of, of the human existence, take that one. Everything around us is trying to drive fear down our throats. You must be in fear. You must fear the things that we tell you you must fear. Fear is rampant. And it affects us in lots of different ways. So God says to us, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I, redemption in this case is like taking something from the junk pile and fixing it up so that it has immense value. It has usefulness and worth. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. He knows your name. We went over some of that last week. He knows you individually and has called you from before the world began. You individually, he's chosen for this time and this hour. I have called you by name and the most wonderful, heartwarming <laughs> words in this sentence. You are mine you belong to the king of the universe you belong somewhere you are being told that you have no identity that you have less value than than others you're being told that that christianity is uh, we're, we are in a post-christian culture what is that? That's because we, we've let it down. There shouldn't be such a thing as a post-Christian culture. God is just as relevant today as he's ever been. More so, yes, absolutely, Bruce, you're right. More so. We need him more. But <laughs> we can't we can't give in to what the enemy is doing right now. And so he's, what he's doing in this little set of scriptures, seven little verses, is, is encouraging us. This is before the cross. This is before the incarnation. This is before Emmanuel was amongst us. God with us. This is a a prelude to that, 800 years before. You are mine. Then verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Let me just stop there for a minute. Um, um, Israel was not a seafaring nation. They have a great wonderful coastline, but, but they are not seafaring. They are not known like the, the Vikings or, 
or uh, the the Britons, um, you know, the British rule Britannia, Britannia rule the waves, you know, all that stuff. They weren't a seafaring nation. The sea that they were familiar with was the sea of the desert. <laughs> they 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 moved on the desert. They were a nomadic people before they got to Israel. And God took them through the water. Water was a scary place for them. They wouldn't have been taught how to swim. There is no, oh, no big deal, water. Water is scary stuff. If you fell into it, it may sweep you away. You may die in this thing. The rivers are scary. Make sure you go through them in the dry season. The, the way they understood water was this is not a good thing. It's kind of like people that grow up on, on the prairies. They often come out here and will not eat seafood. Because <laughs> the only seafood they ever had made them sick. <laughs> Too far removed from where it came from. And, and, it, and it gets uh, tainted in some way. So I, I, not everybody from the prairies doesn't like seafood, but lots of them don't. And it's because they're removed from it. Water was not part of their existence. And God took them through a sea to, to show them the power of the sea and the power of God over the sea. And he promises them, when you pass through the waters, this scary place, this place of unknown, I will be with you. What a promise. <laughs> And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. I, the people that even to, to get into the Jordan to, to be baptized by John would have done it with trepidation. What if they slipped on a slippery stone in, the, in there and, and the river took them away? They, they don't have an ability to do the backstroke. or <laughs> like they, they never learned that kind of stuff. It was scary to get down there and have John put your head under the water. It will not overwhelm you. It will not take you away. So picking it up in, um, still in verse 2. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. That's a reference to the thing that Shelley talked about this morning, the the, the three boys in the furnace. <laughs> you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. Are you worth something? Egypt is the most... <laughs> Are the richest country in the world at this time. I give Egypt for your ransom. I, I would pay that. Now, he's paid more for that for us since then. The highest price in the universe was the death of Jesus Christ. But at this point, he's saying, I would give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Siba, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes. You, you are precious in the eyes of the Almighty. Precious. And 
honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Whew. Everyone who is called by his name. Do you call yourself a Christian? A Christian? You are called by his name. His name is upon you. You are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. You are called by his name. All of this promise is for you. Now, does that mean Baptism Sunday? Does that mean that you get an insurance policy when you're baptized. Repent and, and be baptized and you will be saved, right? No, there, there is nothing like that. It's not, it's not like you become a Christian and everything is roses and grape juice. <laughs> Wonderful things. We go through life just like everybody else. But the difference is we have Somebody with us. I will be with you. I will be with you. That's his promise. Now they had 800 years before Jesus walked this earth. They had a promise of, of Emmanuel. God with us. They didn't have an idea that he would live within each person that was called by his name. They didn't have the idea that, that the temple would be a walking, talking temple. Your body. That's where he's chosen to be with us. And it's an amazing thing that he's done. But they made, he made the promise 800 years before they saw the fulfillment. We live in that promise now. He will not leave us. He will be with us. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. That's his promise to us. And it's an amazing promise. The God of the universe. The God of the universe. And how infinite that is. He will be with us individually. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. So there, there isn't an insurance for us just because we're baptized, you know. Um, Flanders Field was the first... Uh, uh, poem that I memorized, I think it was in grid three, uh, and it says, it starts off, in Flanders Field where poppies grow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the, the lark still singing 
or still bravely singing flag. So, but you're, the crosses, these are Christian men that have died. There was no promise for them. They were probably baptized, set aside for God, and yet they died in this war. There was no insurance for them. We go through terrible things, but we go through it with God. Amen. We go through it with God. And we're told not to fear. The, the man, the Canadian man who wrote that, John McRae, died there. He's actually in one of those Flanders fields. And he was a Christian believer. His promise to us is that he will be with us. So, what, is that, what does that look like? He will accompany us. I will be with you. He will accompany us. And that can take two, two different kind of approaches. He can accompany us like he accompanied the 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 disciples on the road to Emmaus. There, two disciples are walking and feeling the, the overwhelming loss of Jesus' physical body and his leadership. And they're feeling terrible for themselves. And, a, and a, a stranger walks up to them and asks them some questions, and they don't recognize who this is. But he accompanies them on their journey. He's with them, even though they don't know the significance of who this is. And they get to a place, and they have some dinner, and Jesus breaks bread. And suddenly they recognize it's Jesus. It's him. You ever get that way where, where you feel like things are overwhelming to you and you just have, you're, you're just caught in, in feeling sorry for yourself. I, I know I get there. And, and it, it just seems like nothing will console you. And then, and then you get to just take a moment Maybe it's over a meal, maybe it's... But you recognize, ah, oh, Jesus, you've been here all along. I didn't recognize it, but you were there. And those thoughts that you were putting in my heart that I rejected, you are loved. Ah, who cares right now? I'm just feeling bad. The foundation of the stuff that, that he speaks to us, you, you reject it. You push it aside because, because it... You just need to wallow in your pity for a bit. And that, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing. You know, I've, I've been there. But you recognize that he was there at that time. And he loves us. He loves us. And he cares what we go through. But there's another accompany that he made provision for for us as well. 
And it's the company of his people. The company of his people. In this time and this hour, we are, we are threatened with maybe they will shut down churches and we won't ever be able to meet again. What is that going to be like? What is that going to do to us? We need one another and we need to, to fight for that. Now, I don't mean fight by, by taking your gun and going to Ottawa. I mean, I mean to, to come out and pay a price. We heard this morning that David would not worship at a place that he did not pay for. There is a price to pay, and part of the price is coming out and meeting together here. To have, there is something about the corporate body of Christ. Each of you brings him in with you. I will be with you even as you climb those stairs. <laughs> Even as you negotiate the slippery, slidey ice outside, <laughs> I will be with you. And thank you, you brought him in with you. We experienced his presence this morning in the worship, and it was supernatural, <laughs> it was wonderful. We together are a company of his people. And, and that does incredible things. I read a story this week, and, and part of this little story was this lady who was a longtime member of a church, and her, her spouse had passed, and um, she was grieving, and she, she came to church, and she would stand with the hymnal, you know, it's not our church. <laughs> we can't afford a hymnal. <laughs> She's standing with her hymnal and, and not singing, not joining in the, the, the vocal worship of God. And her friend said, says to her, I know you love to sing. Why, why don't you enter in? Why don't you? It'll help you. And her answer was, you know, I can't sing right now. But I know that these people with me are singing for me right now. As a company of people, we uphold one another. Did you hear that before her in, in the, the, the flow of worship? We... we we lift each other up. We hold each other up at times when we need to. It has made a huge difference in my life seeing people meet together. Four years and eight months ago almost, something devastating happened here and, and people ran from this place like it was on fire or the plague was here. I didn't know that the plague was coming. But <laughs> and, and 
At that time, I was overwhelmed, I felt. His promise is that we will not be overwhelmed by the river. But this thing, I, I felt like it had overwhelmed me and my household. There was, there was shame trying to come upon me. There was, there was um, um, alienation and abandonment issues. There was, there was this rejection stuff that I was experiencing around town. It was the enemy was trying to come against. This is, this is my story. The, the family has their own story. The church has its own story. But in my story, I wanted to run. I hated what we were going through. It was a time that I, ha- I was not prepared for. It was, it was some, something we, we had been accused of, something that, that I hadn't. It was, it, was, it was not like my worst fear had come upon me. It was, it was never a fear. It was like the Eiffel Tower just fell down on me. Like I've never been to the Eiffel Tower. It's not a concern. I don't, I don't live in fear that the Eiffel Tower is going to fall on me. I was not living in fear that anything like this would happen. And yet it did. And it, it, it could have taken me away. But God said, go to church on the Sunday morning. If they don't, they don't need me. They've all gone. But some of you showed up that Sunday. Each of you has their own story. Some of you have joined since. And each of you have your own story to what God was doing with you that particular morning. But the, the, the first Sunday after this, this tsunami hit us, I came here and I fully expected an empty church. I made him a promise that if one person shows up, this is a promise I made 30 years ago, if one person shows up, I will preach for you. And, it, and it's come close sometimes, you know. <laughs> I think the lowest I got was two. But, <laughs> but that morning I thought there would be no one, and I was... Uh, irreconcilable. I was like those guys on that road to Emmaus. And yet, when I got here, I saw people. One, two, three. There were a handful of people here wanting to meet together. And as we embraced, as we saw each other. His presence was, was there, tangibly, encouraging my heart, lifting me up. I felt something being imparted to me, an energy, just from seeing and touching the people of God. There is a power that happens when people meet together. God bless virtual church. And there's lots of reasons for people to be in virtual church, but there is nothing like the accumulated presence of the people of God come together 
to worship in one accord, to worship the name of Jesus, to lift the name of Jesus higher, to actually shout the name of Jesus. There is, did you feel it this morning, the power that was in that? That was, that was not emotionalism. That was a recognition that the God of the universe has redeemed me was, would have paid Egypt as my ransom, would have, would have paid anything and did pay the highest price for me and for you. And when we see each other, there is a, 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 a recognition of there is another believer. There is strength. Sometimes you feel like I have no strength and you just kind of crawl in here. But the very sight of you brings strength to your brothers and sisters. For you, you feel like you have nothing to offer. And yet you give something by your presence. Because we are a company of the people of God. We are not here to take this society we live in is a consumer society. But Christianity is not a consumer-oriented organization. It is a, an organization of people who give. Give and it shall be given. That's our, uh, our, our mandate from God. Give. Give first. And it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it be given unto you. His, his promises to us are amazing, and we share that together when we meet together. We cannot stop meeting together. You fight it by actually showing up here. You actually, you move against the 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 river of society moving away from Christianity. This is a post-Christian culture, and you say, no, it's not. I am still an active Christian, and I'm meeting with other active Christians. I can see in their eyes that they have the Holy Spirit in them, and I will meet with them, and I will be with them, and they will strengthen me, and I will strengthen them because we carry the presence of God with us. Everywhere we go, not one at a time, but together, the power is incredible of what we can do together. Eleven very scared men <laughs> turned the world right side up when Jesus left them to run this place. What can we do here? Look around. There are talents and abilities here, but they all carry the presence of God. We are a company of warriors. You don't feel like it most of the time, I'm sure. But you are a warrior for him because you show up. It's faith that brings you. It's faith that you, you impart to people when you show up. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's two. There's three people that love Jesus. 
and, and the news is telling me that we are no longer relevant. That's, that can't be true because I see these people. The company of the king is here. And it's us. We are a company of believers. Now, he will accompany us, and he does accompany us. But we, we need not forget the significance of meeting together. Don't give it up. Whatever price you have to pay, remember David had to pay a price to worship. If we have to, if we have to meet somewhere along the way uh, in houses in a clandestine fashion, be willing to pay that price. Don't let the enemy say, well, oh, it doesn't have any value anymore. Who cares? You know, Christianity's dead. <laughs> it's not. He's, he's doing something in this day and this hour, and we want to join him with that. But the test is here. Did you ever think it would be happening in our day? <laughs> the test is here. We, we, could, we could have to meet in houses. Find out where Shelley and, and Steve live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Encourage one another. Get phone numbers. <laughs> we need each other. But we all are carriers of the presence of God. He's amazing, and he's called us together as an amazing company. I heard this morning from a guy in Dubai, someone who used to worship with us, someone who still loves Cloverdale Christian Fellowship. And he, he had just accomplished something astronomical over there, you know, great, one, great big towers, he was in charge of selling all of the apartments in it, and, he, and they sold out. And he, he, he would have made a ton of money. He's not telling me that. But he just wanted to recognize that this little church made a difference in his life. And as a part of the foundation from which he moves forward from, halfway around the world, and he said, thanks this morning. Thanks for being there. Thanks that you made a place for people to be a company of the people of God. Thanks. That just lifted my heart. As we are, we've been waiting four years and eight months, and, and on Tuesday this week, uh, the decision will be released on, on the appeals court case and and our lives will change you know our family one way or another and so all of this all of this waiting and yet we've done it with a company of people who have strengthened us and encouraged us now you may look at me like well what strength does he need you know but I have needed it so many times here and just seeing you, embracing you, worshiping with you, seeing you take the word of God in 
like a sponge, has made such a difference to me. So amongst other things, I want to say thank you this morning. Thank you for being a company of the King Jesus. Thank you for being here. Why don't we stand and pray? Thank you, Lord, that you accompany us every step of the way. Thank you that you paid the highest price for us to be in relationship with you and also with each other. We take that for granted and we toss off people so often, Lord people that are yours that you paid for we get our noses bent out of shape for something but in the in light of eternity are our petty grievances that cause us to 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 divide and 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 run away or avoid what are they we want to be your people, Lord, truly your people, and love one another because you are love and you live in us. We have this love to give. Let us love one another and not be so wrapped up in the minute of where we live and what we're doing. And Lord, as you said in Isaiah 43, fear not. You tell us, fear not. Why not fear? Because I am with you, you say. With you, with us, how can we really fear? For perfect love casts out fear. That's your promise to us. And you are perfect love. And if we connect with you, you will cast out any fear that we have. You're amazing, God. Let us recognize that. And this morning, Lord, I, I thank you that you have been with us and accompanied us on this road 30 years as a church, 68 years of my life, and four and a years and eight months of, of the most horrid thing that I could ever think of. You have been with us. And you have accompanied us. But more than that, you've given us a company of believers to be in this with. And how we need one another. Thank you for these brave soldiers, these warriors, Lord. Thank you that they have, have stood the test of time. They have shown up. Now, Lord, as we look to our future together, as we prepare to envision ourselves and to move into the future. <laughs> Help us to be your servants and to give, not consume, what we have here. Let us be givers. Let us be remembered as givers. Thank you for each one, Lord, and how you love each one today. At home, or here in, pre in the presence of each other. 
you love each of us and you have something for us. Would you pour out your spirit again and afresh in a wonderful way in Jesus' lovely name. Amen.